Welcome to the Black Heels and Tractor Wheels podcast, where we are sharing stories from a range of women from around New Zealand. For nearly a century, Rural Women New Zealand has been dedicated to strengthening and supporting women and children to become empowered members of their communities. We hope that by hearing these stories from inspiring women all around the country, you'll feel inspired yourself. We're your hosts, Emma Higgins and Claire Williamson, and we'd love for you to join and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss our rural stories. Today, we are speaking with Abby Hoare, who is a woman of many talents. She is farming and taking beautiful snaps in the Manawatu. With a lifelong passion for photography, Abby has spent some time supporting rural women in the health space before making the journey to farming life with her good, keen man. In this podcast, we delve into the importance of backing yourself, how to create and establish an identity in a changing environment, and her amazing, ambitious ideas that she is kickstarting soon. So, Abby, we would really love to hear from you about your childhood. So one of the themes that we've been asking a lot of people is, you know, have they always lived rurally and wanting to hear some interesting anecdotal stories about their childhood? And I am sure that you've got some gems out there as well. So we're really keen to hear a little bit more about you. So um, I grew up on a sheep and beef farm in Mokawiri, which is about halfway between Te Kwiri and Tomaranui. I My earliest memories are my dad on his horse and dogs and and being in the yards, I guess that's that's sort of most um, farm kids, hey? Same thing. And then my mum was a hairdresser, and so we used to have people come to our house all the time to have their hair cut in her little cottage, which was so cool because there was always kids around, which was really fun. Yeah, and then we moved closer to Tikwiti when I was 10. So my dad had a cardiac arrest while he was playing squash one day, and he was really fortunate that he was playing another big burly farmer and um, a nurse, and so together they managed to revive him until the ambulance got there but in those days that was like in the early 90s the ambulances didn't have defibrillators so um, it was a really you know long way it was sort of two hour trek to the hospital from there and so the, those sort of early health interactions I suppose with my dad sort of encouraged me to get into the health sector so then I yeah, went to finish my schooling in Tequity and then I went to Hamilton Girls boarded there and then went on to do radiography which is yeah something that I really really loved it was a very cool career in time in my life that I hope to go back to one day. <laughs> you became a radiographer and based yourself in the Waikato somewhere or how did that kind of go from there? Yeah so when I graduated there weren't actually any radiography jobs around so I went to the Outback in Australia which was so cool yeah. it was such a cool experience yeah and then I went traveling in Europe and then came home very broke and very pregnant which was um yeah sort of changed the course of my life I guess. <laughs> that's a, that's incredible so so tell us a little bit about the next few years for you like from there yeah I came back home for a bit and then I sort of ended up finding my way to the Hawke's Bay and I feel like children are an amazing motivator you've really got to like get your stuff together you know and so I ended up taking a job in the Hawke's Bay and, the, and I got into mammography and and when I was a radiographer it wasn't really something that I had thought of wanting to do but once I started it, it I felt like I'd really found my calling I guess and it was definitely the most fulfilling job I've ever had just trying to change the conversation around mammogram and encourage Mm. women to think more positively about them because I think that that's a huge part of why women 
don't go for mammograms is because their friends have said that it's painful yeah so that that was a big big thing for me there yeah in terms of the clientele that you see coming through for mammography is it more at the older end of the scale given that we have free screening from a certain age yeah so definitely in the breast screen Aotearoa service everyone is eligible from the age of 45 but in the practice that I worked in you could also have a mammogram under the age age of 45 if you were symptomatic or if you you know it was private so you could pay for it but I I just I imagined oh you turn 45 you go off your mammogram everyone does it but actually there are so many women who don't go because they've been told it's painful and so Hmm. I don't know how to word that but I, I know that you're obviously not a doctor but do you know the signs that women should be looking for for breast cancer I think it's just any changes like the the key message is just know know yourself and know know your normal. And so if mm. there are any changes to the color of your skin, if you feel anything that feels different on the inside, if you're, yeah, just that's probably the main thing is just skin changes or if you notice any lumps or, yeah, just, just know what's normal for you is the take-home message, I guess. Because every day in New Zealand, nine women are diagnosed with breast cancer. So that's huge. And we have such an amazing, robust screening program that is so underutilized. And Māori wahine are more likely to be diagnosed with breast cancer and more likely to have unfavorable outcomes from their diagnosis. And Māori wahine make up such a huge part of rural communities and it is, yeah, it's, it's a huge problem. Yeah, and it's all about getting women to support women and yeah. their people's friends to talk about it, normalize it, make it a really big part of what everybody does so mm. that it just kind of becomes mm. the new normal. Mm. So fantastic. I'd love so to fantastic. Um, have a job where I could just be like a rural health champion like I don't even know if that exists but I just think that someone needs to be like calling in on farmers and saying hey have you had your health checks yes we totally do need that Abby I'm gonna ask sort of take a little bit of a turn here and ask you a little bit about your beautiful photography business I know that it started when you were quite young and I also understand that there's a really lovely story around the name of the business I have a fantastic beautiful memory of you on the, the dance floor at Grace and Cleon Jones's wedding um, a few years ago taking incredible photos and and effectively joining in the fun so I think that sums you up as a photographer. Okay so when I was in high school I would always sort of been interested in photography but at my school you couldn't do photography in year 13 unless you'd done art in previous years but I couldn't draw to save myself so I asked if I could join the class and they said well no you can't just join and then I had a friend who was in the class and in prep one night she was editing a photo that she was entering in the New Zealand secondary schools photography competition and I said do you reckon I could enter she was like yeah why not and so I entered mainly I entered because the theme was science and farming and I thought well that's easy I can do that and anyway I won and the teacher then said I could join the class I said, oh no, I'm okay, don't worry. And people just started asking me from then to photograph their families and it's just kind of snowballed into yeah it always has just been something on the side I have been through periods where I thought that it was that I'd I'd only make it as a photographer if I was like full-time and so I've been through periods of trying to be that person but actually I found it took away the it took away my passion when I tried to make it make me a millionaire you know so I think that that's really important is that not everything you do has to 
has to be about the money. That is awesome. And I love hearing about how you kind of gave the middle finger, really, um, no, in terms so of bad. getting into photography. That is, that is such a neat way, um, I think. It just shows resilience and how you can pivot. If something doesn't go right the first time, you can just come up with other ways of doing yeah. things. That's almost to my detriment. I feel like, as you can probably hear, I'm very multi-passionate and I'm really quick to give things a go. And I guess I'm not afraid of failure. And for a lot of people, they're like, so I've got the sunflower field, right? I haven't even put the sunflowers in the ground here, the seeds in the ground, but I'm like telling social media that I'm planting a sunflower field. And some of my friends are like, but what if they don't grow? And I'm like, well, then I just say I failed. Who cares? Does anyone care? I don't think people actually care, do they? No, but I don't think so. People love people love the story of it, Abby, as well. And I think yeah. the other cool thing about that is it might encourage someone else to try to try the same thing, or you can share some of the stories about what you did and how you did it. And the final piece of the puzzle that we're missing here, just in terms of the background, to close that gap is you have obviously got a successful photography business, but the last time that we talked about your childhood, you had in early years, you had been a mammographer. So can you just close that gap for us and explain how you basically got to where you are right now? When I when I was working in the Hawke's Bay, I met Emil, and I call him my good keen man, and he lured me to Pahitoa, um, and we bought a 90-hectare block here, which we um, which nowadays is my everyday thing as I'm as I sort of around the farm we grow a lot of grass so we're pretty intensive I suppose and he's a fencing contractor so and and then we had Maeve who's one tell us a bit about you on the farm Abby I think that would be amazing for our listeners to hear like what is it what does a typical day look like I know that you haven't had the farm for a long time but what does a typical typical day look like and what type of things are you able to do with your girls and how does that fit in with your overall family life? I kind of wish that I had, as much as I've loved my radiography career, I also wish that I had gone and like got a shepherding job. And I hope that for my 40th birthday in like nine years time, that I could be a junior shepherd. <laughs> I just love to like learn from the bottom everything because there is just so much to know about farming. And even though I grew up on the farm, I probably didn't really take that much interest. I spent probably 10 main shares I think working like rousing and that taught me so much about the world but the actual day-to-day farming I didn't really have that much interest in until we bought our own farm and then I was like oh my gosh I just love this so because Emil is so busy out fencing every day yeah I kind of just um I call myself the stock manager so I decide the everyone's rotations and um, I do all the break fencing and I've usually got Maeve on my back every day so she loves the farm which is really cool and I try and do I try and have the girls on the farm with me as much as possible because yeah I think we're all we're all better if we're outside in the fresh air doing stuff. So I want to talk to you about how you've coped around your identity changes because you have had well a couple it seems of major pivots in your life. So you've gone from having what sounds like a a career that you're super passionate about on the radiography side and specializing in mammography to being a mum and then leaving that career journey 
and that trajectory that you were on and jumping into the farm. How have you managed that transition? Like, how did you cope with these huge life changes? I'm sure if you asked Emil this question, he would he would answer it differently. But um, I think I love change and I love the idea of new beginnings and I love being able to sink my teeth into a new project so it it has been difficult especially when you go from you know I was a single mum and I ran my own household and I had my own money to not working and and then having this business partnership where it's you know even though I don't leave the house every day that income that comes in is still mine and that is a really difficult mindset shift and one I only think can be easily done if your business partner is is on board with that as well so it's taken a taken me a while but I found my value in the business and I think that a lot of that comes from finding inspiration especially in podcasts and I've watched every single beef and lamb YouTube video that is there and yeah I guess finding your your place in the business and we knowing where you add value and I think it's really important for women to remember and I heard this on a podcast that the money is made on a farm in the offer and you can't you can't forget that so whilst you know you're not the person who loads those prime lambs on the truck you had a huge part in that's really interesting Abby and I think it's part of a wider conversation as well around and I know you and I have touched on this before so I'd love to bring it into this podcast around women who may have had an off-farm career or had a career in the past that might have even been an urban one they have then found their own good keen man and they've either returned to a family farm Um, or they might do what you've done, which is buy something together, go into partnership together. And the challenges around establishing a new identity and how how that actually feels for them and what what it looks like both initially and in the long term. So I think you've beautifully described the, the, the partnership part of it. And I've heard before other people talk about how important it is to to find your value and what you're good at. And I'd just love to flesh out a little bit more any other stories or thoughts you've got around around these challenges that women face in establishing kind of a bit of a new normal, particularly sometimes in very isolated areas. And just what you've seen across your friends, across peers and social media, because you've just traveled so widely with your photography. So yeah, it'd be wonderful to hear your thoughts on that. Especially with my photography, I've seen even in my friend group, I feel like I've seen it a lot where, I'll give an example, so Trudy Hales, who I did a piece on for Shepardess magazine, she is an incredible woman. I mean, they've been on Country Calendar, so everyone's seen the story and she said to me when I came to do the photos, you know, it was focused on her for the the Shepardess magazine and she said, oh, it's so interesting because usually it's Simon that's the the one in front of the camera and I'm just beside him it's not not me that's the main voice so that that's really cool oh I don't know I have lots of I feel like I have lots of friends who have really struggled to find their identity and their place in their farming business and I think Agri Women's Development Trust courses have done a lot in that space and I've done them myself and that they are incredible. Yeah. I think you're right though. There has been some wonderful work put in by some organizations to help address what is obviously a really common issue that women face when they come um, either back to the farm from having a career or just moving from urban to rural. But I do think it is, yeah, obviously an industry that is quite widespread, which is a but challenge. I think 
think that rural women in, in those situations are such an untapped resource for farms because I think we know a lot more about a lot more things than we realise. I totally agree with that. I want to just pick up on something that you said around shepherdess. So obviously you did some amazing work there and we are a big, huge fan of shepherdess here at Rural Women. But can you tell us a little bit more about how that opportunity came about? So when um, Christy began, she just put a call out on social media for photographers. And actually at that point I thought, oh, look, no way would my work be good enough for print. So I didn't actually put my name forward. And then I don't know if someone else put my name forward or she just found me. But yeah, so from the first issue, actually, I've worked with them. And I feel like I have such an amazing relationship with the team there. And I'm so grateful for that because I have met some incredible women and been to some awesome places. And I think in my photography, that's been the the best part of it is that often I'll go to farms to do family photos and people want to take you to their like special place on their farm and there are some incredible places out there you know that that people don't know about I guess really special special spots yeah so that's a real honor for people to invite you into their farm yeah see these places that's amazing in front of the camera totally totally and you would also think that they're probably a little bit more vulnerable when they're in their safe special place as well so that's when you get to capture those really raw but kind of very emotion filled type moments which I think are characteristic of of your photography to be honest I think that it's incredible and um it blows me away that you thought your work might not be good enough for print because I've always just thought (laughs) it's absolutely incredible in terms of the I suppose picking up a little bit on the influence and inspiration kind of piece around how you get to the work that you do. Um, we'd be so interested to hear about some stories that you might have. You know, there's always, there's always, everybody has their own little story and I'd love to hear a bit more about what inspires and influences the work that you do and you yourself. And if there's any little sort of golden nuggets that you could share with our listeners. So the name Photos for Jean actually comes from, I didn't want to just be Abbey Hall Photography anymore. I wanted to have like a slight point of difference. And Jean is a name in my family that, yeah, has has sort of been passed down and and my grandma and her mum and my mum and then through to my daughter Florence Jean. Um, Yeah, it's a real special, special name to me. And so I always feel inspired by the woman in my family, even my wider family. I feel inspired by women that I meet just in everyday life. I feel like I can take a nugget of wisdom from everyone. People like, I mean, Julia Jones. I listen to podcast and I was just like oh she's just the coolest (laughs) she's so great like she has so much time for the agri sector you know and her job at NZX like she runs the cutter there you know she's a big deal and she still has time for us that's so cool she's amazing I'd love to meet her one day oh well I love one that you listen to the podcast um and two I think that people are going to listen to your story and be equally as inspired as well. I want to know from you, how do you have any tips 
for someone who would like to set up business or get into photography? Like what would you, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's a junior Abby Hall who's sitting out there who might've been rejected from photography class and is thinking, damn it, I want to get this. I want to do this. How do they go about it? I think you just have to be gunny and you just have to go for opportunities because I find opportunities only present themselves to me if I am looking for them. You have to be looking for opportunity. You have to back yourself and just, yeah, you just have to go for it. And I think in the beginning as a photographer, you do have to unfortunately do a lot of stuff for exposure, but it's amazing how even now I still am asked to do things for exposure. And I think you have to trust your gut that you know when's the right time to say, no, actually, I I really value my time and my skills and no, sorry, I won't. I won't be doing that and don't be afraid to say no. I have heard some great stories about the wonderful area of Pahiatua and the Manawatu as a whole. So, and I've met some fantastic women who live there. I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what you enjoy most about living rurally, because I think everybody has a different story about living in a rural community. Myself, I went for a walk, took my dog for a walk the other day, and Uh, Three of my neighbours asked me how I was and insisted on talking to me and my walk that normally takes 25 minutes took an hour and a half. So I think that's a good example of a really lovely random rural road just out of Cambridge. But I'm sure that Abby has some stories about what it means to be part of a rural community. I love that people would just show up at your door. When I lived in town, you never speak to your neighbours. You never you would never just turn up at your neighbours. Whereas when you live in the country, people will turn up. And I think that everyone is willing to lend a hand and people genuinely want to help because it makes them feel good. Feel as though in a real community that there's more of that. It's almost like the further apart you are, the closer you are. I do love my community and I really want to be more involved. And when you have little kids, it is really hard to to find the time. Um, I'm trying to weasel my way into the hall committee but they're a pretty tight knit group that aren't letting me in yet but I'll get there that's goals right there I love it Abby (laughs) and you're so right though it is a real challenge trying to juggle everything when you've got small humans to keep alive you know the the pressures around parenting and just general life it doesn't leave a lot of time for other aspects people always tell us to fill up our cups and it's really difficult to actually do that and find the time to do that I think so don't feel guilty um, because you are nailing life and you've got such a full plate I think it is an age and stage thing perhaps yeah totally final question from us is what are you hoping to achieve over the next 12 months now you talked about your sunflower fields can you give us a bit of background about that but I also want to hear about what you're looking to, to achieve, the goals that you're trying to kick for the next 12 months. We are in a RMPP Action Network group, well, what was, and now we just call it a discussion group. Um, and early on, that was about two years ago that we began that, and early on we had a awesome facilitator and she said to us, you know, it's a big thing for, for young people trying to get into farm ownership is turning your threats into opportunities. And since then, I've thought about that statement and how I can do that. And we live on a really busy road. It's a 70k zone, but and there's a railway crossing, but no one stops and no one goes 70ks. So, and we have equal amounts of land on either side of the road. So we often have to navigate the, the road with stock. 
part of what I wanted to do is try and slow the traffic down. That the traffic is is our threat, and so the opportunity was how can we slow the traffic down? And everybody slows down at a sunflower field, don't they? Everybody loves sunflowers. And I have sort of like I'm really interested in regenerative agricultural practices, but also. I don't really know enough about traditional agricultural practices yet, so I'm not really sure how to how to navigate that. But um, I just I love the properties of sunflowers too. Like up the road from us, some people wanted to build a house, but there was an old sheep dip right there, and so they were a bit worried about the soil contamination. And then I read that if you planted sunflowers in a spot for five years in a row, the sunflowers would completely clean up the soil contamination. And I just thought. I have to be a part of sunflowers. <laughs> they are so cool. So um, yeah, I just thought, oh, I'll just plant a sunflower field. It'll be fine. And then I was, when I really thought about it, I thought, okay, well, I can turn this into an opportunity with my photography because I can bring families to me and I can photograph them here in the field. And then I can sell summer's cut flowers because I love cut sunflowers. Yeah. So that's the field. But look, I don't know if they'll grow yet because it is not very tropical here. So we'll see how that goes. This this sounds like a beautiful merging of all things, Abby, in my opinion. <laughs> Every, everything I have seen of you is happy, sunny, larger than life. And yes, it brings those passions that you have together, right? Growing things and, and photography, making people happy. So I think that's just that's just incredible. Yay for you. <laughs> just to wrap up today, Abby, I'd just like to say thank you so much for uh, your time today, for actually being quite vulnerable with us, for saying that you don't have all the answers, but that you are a real trailblazer for the junior Abby Hawes, which I liked uh, Emma's comment there, coming through and wanting to set up something perhaps creative or business or um, wanting to be more involved in the on-farm practices where they are. So I think that's it's fantastic. We really appreciate your time and go forth and conquer. Rural Women New Zealand is a community of like-minded women who are doing amazing things in their respective regions and communities. This podcast celebrates the achievements, successes and stories of our rural women, which are also the foundations for our organisation's rich history. We want you to be part of our future story. So please join us by clicking on the link in the show notes and we look forward to welcoming you into the fold.